start date. I forgot to calculate a start date before I did this. Um, but welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a very special edition where we are sitting down with uh, Rob Perlman and Aaron McDonald uh, to talk about some really exciting uh, new books that have just come out. Uh, so Rob Perlman is a pop culturist and a number one time number one New York Times bestselling author of more than 60 books for both grownups and kids. Uh, and he's also worked across many a fandom and within the Star Trek franchise, as well as Bob's Burgers. I was really excited to see that list. Uh, right. Welcome, Rob. And we also have Aaron McDonald, PhD in astrophysics, uh, who is a tattooed one woman STEM career panel with recognition as a researcher, speaker, engineer, consultant, and is now a writer and producer in Los Angeles. Um, and she is also one of the science consultants for the Star Trek franchise. Welcome. Hi, happy to be here. I'm so excited to have y'all with me today. Um, I did just want to comment. We just had a big Trek week with New York Comic Con that just passed and lots of fun things got released or finally out in the world. Was there anything you were particularly excited about that came out from Comic-Con this past week? Ooh, um, for me, it was the second, the trailer for the second half of the Prodigy. So that the next sort of chunk of 10 episodes. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. That was neat to see. That was great. Uh, and for me, it was Picard. <laughs> seeing, seeing all my friends back together. That... It was Such really a warm, nice. fuzzy feeling seeing that panel all up there. It was. I know. <laughs> and um, I was really excited to finally get to see some Discovery content because after Star Trek Day, I was like, oh, I know we got the tour, but I wanted to see <laughs> more. So <laughs> I was really excited to see the trailer. Um, so, yes, it is an exciting time to be a Star Trek fan for sure. Um and Erin, I know you've been a guest on the podcast before, mm -hmm. but for any new listeners, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to working with Star Trek? Yeah, briefly, you know, I kind of came from a science communication standpoint. So when I left academia, I sort of scratched my teaching itch by going to sci-fi conventions and teaching the science behind Star Trek and Star Wars, Mass Effect, all the other sort of franchises that I know and love. And um, when I moved to Los Angeles after a few years, I kind of got on the radar of CBS to just come and give these talks at, at their conventions, at the official Star Trek events. And then in season three of Star Trek Discovery, um, they got a new showrunner, Michelle Paradise, and she reached out to ask for some science help to myself and my friend, uh, Professor Muhammad Noor, and then Season three went really well. I'm here in Los Angeles. I do work as a science advisor. And so uh, they brought me on sort of as the official science advisor for the whole franchise, just as much or as little as any show wants to use me. Amazing. Thank you so much. And um, Rob, first time being with us here at Star Trek Discovery Podcast. So welcome. Um, and one of my favorite things to ask people is what is like your first or maybe favorite Trek memory? Oh, my gosh. Um I mean, it's kind of the same thing. I, I remember um, weekends when I was really little, um, like Saturday afternoons, my grandparents and my parents, we'd all be at home together and Star Trek would be on. Um, and Star Trek was one of those few shows ever on the air where lots of generations from any family could watch and enjoy it in their own different way. So I was watching it as a little kid, you know, playing with my action figures in front of the TV, um, you know, enjoying all the, the 
space and the alien stuff. And my parents were enjoying it on another level and my grandparents were enjoying it on another level. Um, and I was able to talk to everybody about all of it. So it was this really beautiful sort of communal family moment that I'm sure was experienced by tons of, you know, millions of people across the country all the time. So having that kind of memory was, was really formative for me. Yeah, I, I love that so much. It is one of those things where it's like, uh, and, and it relates so much today to our discussion about these books is like this idea that you get to pass on something that you love to other people in your family. And um, now we've had so many generations of Star Trek kind of made available to us. I'm really excited that we continue to expand it into more kid-friendly and family-friendly content. Although I remember as like um, <clears throat> probably like a 10, 11 year old starting to watch Voyager with <laughs> my family. Um when it was airing on UPN um, right after that. <laughs> that was my evening, um, for better or for worse, whatever that did to my media diet. <laughs> better. Um, but yes, I'm excited to talk to y'all about. So uh, for those listening, and if you get to watch the video, definitely check it out. But otherwise, you should be purchasing them. The most adorable books. Um, <laughs> we have Star Trek, My First Book of Colors, written by Rob Perlman with illustrations by Jason Kaiser. Um, and we have Star Trek, my first book of space, uh, written by Aaron McDonald and illustrations also by Jason. Um, I was so delighted when these showed up in my mailbox and I got to flip through them. I'm like low key obsessed with the little, um, like space, uh, the, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get like this whole book tattooed on me. I think that's, what's going to happen. <laughs> the jellyfish is like, so adorable. <laughs> getting artwork put all over my body, but um, J- Jason will be thrilled. Oh my gosh, <laughs> they are so cute. Um, but I wanted to ask y'all first if you remembered what were some of your favorite books as kids. Like, what were some of your like favorites to dig Ooh. into? Uh, For me, I had um, the Sesame Street book, the Monster at the End of the Book. Uh, that was a classic. That was probably one of my favorites. I mean, I had all the little golden books. I've just been like an IP nerd my my whole life. (laughs) I want to read about what I'm watching. I just want to live in those worlds. I think that's probably the one that stands out the most for me. Yeah. What about you, Rob? Yeah, that's my number one book of all time. (laughs) Absolutely. The monster at the end of the book. The monster at the end of the book. And in fact, it's it's still so important. I bought the t-shirt. I have the mug. I've got the socks. Um, whenever a new little person is born into family and friends, that's the one book my mom buys because she knows how much it meant for me. Um, and, and I think Aaron, you know, to your point, I was a pop culture kid, even though I didn't know it. So I was able to read about Grover and then see Grover on TV. And that was just amazing to me. It still is actually. It's great, Rob. I don't think I knew this fact about you. We've been friends for oh, so yeah. long and this is like a new friendship <laughs> fact <laughs> oh, yeah. that we had the same favorite book growing up. <laughs> Oh yeah, totally. Oh, I love when that happens when you find out new things about your friends and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> I I still have my original copy too. Wow. That's I awesome. was a super careful kid, but oh yeah, it's it's so great. Oh man, I was not a super careful kid. <laughs> All those mine are gone. I was a big um going on a bear hunt was probably like one of my absolute oh, that's favorites. A good one. Um and uh, and I think I, I bought that my for my niece when she was born. But I feel like there's such a fun 
array of like new kids books. And so I always like seeing what's kind of coming out and coming around and how it blends that sort of education with entertainment aspect. Like I just bought my niece a book that has to, it's essentially a retelling of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, but she's like a STEM genius. And so it's like oh. it's like her and her seven robots. And I was like, oh, this is so much nicer than the original Brothers Grimm. <laughs> like, all of those fairy tales were terrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love, there's a book series I always get from my friends when they've got new babies, which is the, like, there's general relativity for babies and like quantum physics for babies. And it's like the most complex concepts in physics. They've distilled them into board books and yeah, those are those are delightful. <laughs> it's always so fun. Um, and, and and I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but just to prove that I'm not <laughs> making this up, here's the super grouper <laughs> that sits on my desk and has been sitting on my desk for years. Oh, <laughs> so I'm not lying about it. it. <laughs> I love that like puppets also hold such a like a, a place for so many people. I feel like in our generation too. I don't know. I, I was having a discussion with some friends about like how much we love puppets and it was like I don't know why it's there but it's there and then it's like the longer you think about it you're like oh this all makes sense that like all of my core childhood favorite memories have something to do with a a puppet of some kind And one of the things I really love about these particular books, too, is they are obviously chock full of so many Trek moments and like references that I think that any Trek fan parent is going to just be like, oh, yes, from scants to gorns and like (laughs) coffee nebulas. Um, What were some of your favorite pieces to kind of bring in? What's like maybe your favorite reference you got to write into into your book? Uh... I mean, I I love a good Gorn joke. So whenever <laughs> I can put a Gorn in, um, that's really great for me. Uh, you know, I think one of the things we wanted to make these books have is practicality and usability. We wanted these books to be real books that kids could use from, that could learn from, um, but chock full of all of those Easter eggs for adult collectors. And then things that are a little weird, like, you know, it, it, things aren't black and white clearly in these books or in world. So the fact that we could use like pinkish purplish that would start a conversation with kids um, to ask their parents about different shades of pink or different shades of blue. Um, and I think being able to sort of very subtly add those questions into the space book too, to, to form those basis of discussions, that, that was important for me. Yeah, I mean, for my favorite sort of reference is the coffee and the nebula. I mean, please. <laughs> uh, I mean, Jane May's Jane May's my, my woman. That's that's where it lies. Um, but yeah, to to Rob's point, you know, we've got like a page on dark matter, and it's like we don't know what dark matter is. Maybe you do, you know. And so just to leave that of like, I think that's so powerful for kids to learn about science and the world around us in general. That like there's still stuff we, no one knows, like no one knows. And there are people whose job it is to try to find those answers and they're called researchers. And like that can sometimes blow kids' minds because it's always presented to the kids of like, the grownups have all the knowledge and we're just going to like drip feed you knowledge as you get older and older. And it's like, no, like there is no end really to the amount of stuff that we know. And Mm -hmm. a kid reading it might, be the one to discover what dark matter is. And I think that's what gets me so passionate about science education, particularly. 
there was a moment when we when Aaron was writing the book and I said, can we describe what what, what dark matter is? And she was like, no. And I'm like, oh, we can figure it out. And she was like, no, we can't. <laughs> I'm like, Aaron, you're super smart. I know you can do this. <laughs> I can't do this, but you can do it. And it turns yeah. out she can't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because science. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Got yeah. it. That's why I stick to the colors. <laughs> I know, but even in the colors, I love that explanation of like the pinkish and bluish, like the idea that like you're leaving these rooms, uh, leaving room for parents and kids to have these like little moments of discovery and, and to learn that asking questions is like really important and like there's going to be things like, I can't wait for a kid to be like, what is a Gorn, you know, like to a parent and having to explain that. Um, And I I think it's also like, you've made it so, um, I don't know, it's like fun. It's whimsical in both the space book and the colors book. It's um, an easy way to get at least like a bite of something that might interest you later on. Um, Because these are like my first books, right? Like this is like, very early, but um, but again, I think as like parents and as fans, they're definitely collectory items because they're like beautifully made and there's like fun references in there. And so I think y'all did an amazing job. Where did um, I guess how did the idea come to y'all? What was like the process of of, of working on these and and kind of coming up with the ideas? Uh, so my very first Star Trek book was Fun with Kirk and Spock. Um, which, for those of you who don't know, is sort of a mashup between the Fun with Dick and Jane books and Kirk and Spock. And um, that came about because I was going, I'm, I'm a, I work in book publishing, so I was going to all of these book conventions. And also, I'm a Star Trek guy and a pop culture guy, so I was going to all these pop culture conventions. Um, and I was always really taken, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, the way people were talking about their favorite children's books when they were growing up was very similar to the way they talk about Star Trek growing up, about, you know, watching it with friends and family and having their favorite episodes and going back to certain things. So I thought, I wonder if there's a way to sort of combine those into a fun thing for adult collectors. Um, And that's when Fun with Kirk and Spock came out. And then afterward, I I was really surprised at how many adults, how many parents were coming over to me and saying, this was my kid's first Star Trek book or my kids want to read this Star Trek book every night. And I was like, oh, that's so great. I wonder what else we could do in the kids' space for it. Um, so it, it took a few years until this happened, but you know, Aaron and I became really, really good friends. Um, and I, I thought, I wonder if there's a way to present a Steam library to kids. You know, So many people who Aaron and I meet at, at conventions or just in everyday life, scientists, explorers who are inspired to go into their chosen fields because of Star Trek. I meet lots of writers and artists who are inspired to do creative things because of Star Trek. And I thought, how can we distill that and inspire the next generation to do it? And I thought, oh, well, if we do, you know, maybe these board book primers, maybe that would work. Um, And amazingly, everyone got on board with it. (laughs) And, you know, I didn't want it to be um, just a very sort of, this is a star, this is a, this is the color blue. That's, that's boring. It's been done a thousand times before that doesn't feel like Star Trek. 
to me. So we we put our heads together and and figured out a way that sort of blended everything we loved about Star Trek with actual usable facts. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was so important to me too was um to really make the words that they're learning be accurate because we don't want to blend the science that we have in Star Trek that might not have been discovered yet. <laughs> and we didn't want to confuse anything. So what they're learning is like literally, even though we say some people might think there's coffee in a nebula, you know, mm -hmm. we're still explaining it's actually just dust and gas. And so um, finding a way to still make it educational, but like Rob said, to just have it be kind of fun and whimsical. And um, it's such an honor for me because like I've wanted to write sort of a space Star Trek book for a long time the things um kind of along the lines of like what rob has been able to do with his career and just try to continue using star trek to teach science and so the fact that like this is sort of my first one and it's for age zero <laughs> for the start <laughs> uh, just makes me really happy um if you could make sort of like the next jump right in age bracket what do you think you would um want to sort of talk about like what how would you sort of alter some of these topics or or are there books and things you recommend that you like now as far as like okay this is everyone's first book and then as kids grow because they grow so fast um what would be some <laughs> recommendations for next next steps yeah well i think it's just diving deeper into these topics you know because i have friends with kids who are sort of six seven and eight who are loving these books because they're reading the words now on their own the pictures are really cool even though it's a board book they're kind of beyond like the you know i think five or six are like oh that's a baby's book and now they're just like oh cool pictures man and they uh, and they're asking like but I want to know more about a nebula. I want to know more about a star. So it's really just taking, you know, the sort of story arc that we tell in the space book is the cosmological address, you know, starting at our, our planet and then moving out from there. And so that similar structure, I think, is great, a great way to introduce people to space. And I think just diving deeper into what all of these things are. I mean, trying to rein myself in to write, what was it, like 11 sentences on space was yes. real hard. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'd like a little more, please. <laughs> I was going to ask, was there like uh, maybe like a concept or, or something you wanted to include in either, either book that you were like, that essentially hit the cutting room floor and you're like, ooh, maybe I can find a different space for this to, to live in. You know, writing kids books is really difficult. Um, I think there's maybe 75, 100 words in each of these books. Like, I mean, they're really short. So each word has to matter. So the first version of a manuscript is often a couple hundred words because you want to get everything down on the paper and then you just keep editing down and down and down and down. Erin, um, I think for space, there were some concepts that just we just ran out of space, I think, for it. And, and it just, and no pun, but, yeah. and, and it just got too complicated yeah. to explain something. I think that was it. Like, I think we wanted to put some stuff on black holes in there. And then maybe like, I think, didn't we want to try some, to work in some jokes about like sentient artificial intelligence? And then... We did, we did. Yeah, but, but I mean, but like, that's just the creative process, right? That's just bouncing ideas yeah. around together and uh, deciding what works and what doesn't, what keeps the flow really nice. Because um, yeah. yeah, it's like black holes in particular, once you start talking about those kids are like, but what? <laughs> Tell yeah. me everything. Mm -hmm. My first yeah. book of black holes uh, will be next. Right. Um, 
<laughs> that's all the book's about. Um. Uh, and, you know, so after Colors, um, you know, I think the next progression is probably Fun with Kirk and Spock, because those are short little stories um, with really great illustrations. And then after that, um, there's a full length picture book called The Girl Who Made the Stars that I wrote based on a short track. Yeah. So that could be a next progression for picture books for kids too. And then after that, um, in January, I have a, a middle grade novel coming out um, based on Star Trek Prodigy. So that's- So exciting. Yeah, I'm bringing kids all the way through. <laughs> Um, that's so great. I was, I was literally having a conversation today with, um, a friend of mine who has two kiddos and they just introduced them to prodigy and they're like really excited for, for the next series. And she was so funny. I was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I'm talking to other writers this afternoon. I'm really excited about it. And she was just like, well, is there a claim to those books once you're done? <laughs> she was like looking through in my office and I was just like, I'll see, but I might want them. <laughs> I was like, I can probably order you some more. Um, <laughs> Um, I know we've talked a little bit about the illustrations, especially in the in the colors book. But is there a particular character or um, or in a page that you've really enjoyed, Rob? That's like maybe one of your favorites. Oh gosh, so many, There's so, so many. many. Um, so you know, I kind of love the big green hand one a yes. little bit, just because it's so simple and in a way so incredibly sweet. Like the way Jason was able just to form the hand to not make it look menacing. Yeah. Um, it it reminds me of like hand. seeing a kid reach in for a toy. Like that's yes. kind of what it felt like to me. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and then the the last spread that talks about infinite diversity and infinite combinations and just what he was able to do with that space scape. Um, yeah, as far as like proportion and colors, I, I think it's just a beautiful spread. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Aaron, what's really fun about this Facebook is it is a combination of both the illustrations as well as actual photos from space, which I love because it's like, I, and I was totally like, this is such an Aaron thing for it to be like <laughs> photos of space <laughs> um, because it's like, it's going to be accurate and correct just like you're saying about like the terms that are being used. Um, and, and they're so beautiful. I think, I mean, my favorite was the, the, the nebula, but is there a particular photo that you were really excited that you all got to use in the book? Yeah, that uh, for me, it's the dark matter one. I think that's probably my my favorite just because I love, we've had a few of those. I actually have a version kind of tattooed on my arm <laughs> that as well um, from the space image perspective. But even just seeing things, because I think that's what's been so incredible over like the last couple decades of space exploration is the improvement in technology and they'd be able to get these images. You know, we're seeing that from even just from the Hubble, which blew all of our minds into the JWST results, like the the transition of those images, it just it is, it blows your mind and it's awe-inspiring and you just are completely floored by it. And so, yeah, just picking sort of those images that evoke that feeling of wonder when you look at it and you're like, that can't be real. That's not real. And it is. <laughs> so I really like that. And then I, yeah, I too, I just love the drawings on top. I love the, the Klingon ship slingshotting around the sun. And that's then, yeah, that's, that's up there. And then I really that's like, um, the Bajoran solar sail as well. Cause that's oh, just yeah. one of my favorite episodes. And so I was really happy that that made it in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
They're so great. It's so fun. Um, so if you had to pick another random topic for a Star Trek, my first book of dot, dot, dot. So another first book, what would that topic be? We've tossed out the idea of black holes and we know the Kirk and Spock is our next adventure, but if there was another first book, I mean, I like the steam theme that we were able to have, you know, I think being able to show people that science and art are very intermingled, like that's something that I really love the opportunity to do. So continuing along those lines, I think, but. I think if there was a way for us to like combine them to combine them into like my first book of steam, like I'd have little bits and pieces from all of it to really present yeah that one trajectory yeah who knows we'll see yeah (laughs) i was like maybe there's something sitting right on top of the brain but sometimes it's not there um, (laughs) (laughs) um, because yeah then i was like what would i do i think something there could be something with like shapes and i think you know like all of Mm -hmm. the set pieces because i'm always obsessed with like the set design (laughs) of star trek shows and i think there's always such a fun like especially going back to the original series there's such fun like shapes and colors being used on all of this yeah um that could be quite fun um, is there anything else you wanted to share about the process of making these? What um, what should, uh, I mean, I'm going to put links in the show notes for where people can purchase these because they are out now. I'm a big fan of shopping at bookshop.org so you can also support a local bookstore with your purchase there. And I saw and I double checked and they are available there. Uh, <laughs> so you can purchase them there, but support independent bookstores while you can. Um, but yeah, anything else you'd want to share that I didn't ask about? I mean, this was a really fun process for me. And I was just honored to be able to work with Rob and and come out with these products that I just I'm really proud of. And I really hope that, you know, we all hope to have an impact on kids lives in one form or another. And just the idea that this could be one kid's favorite book, you know, in 30 years when they're being interviewed (laughs) about their new book, you know, be like, man, that first book of colors, that Gorn. That's my favorite buddy. Um, that's that's a big deal for me. Yeah, I think, you know, it's um, creating a book is always a group process. It's never just one person doing everything. Um, and if it is just one person doing everything, it's going to be a really lousy book. So I always try to work with people I, I like and respect. And this was one of the best experiences truly because in addition to us all having a a shared goal and and a real understanding of what we wanted to do we also just have a a a, a shared deep appreciation for star trek and for writing and for kids and for fandom so having all of those things happen when you get to work with a really great friend it's it's just magic and i think that comes through in, in the final book too. So I think when you read each page, you can you can hear us, but you can also hear Star Trek um, and you can hear the love that we we try to put in it. Absolutely. I feel like the, the more people I talk to who work on Star Trek currently, like the more I'm like, oh, it's just a bunch of fans making stuff for other fans. Like <laughs> people who like have this deep love and appreciation and want to make sure that 
they're conveying that love and appreciation into what they're making. And I definitely felt that in like every page of this book, I was like, oh, these are references that like someone thought about and loves and like wants to put that on the page and like have this moment for kids to be able to like welcome them into this continuing fandom. And like the more that the franchise expands, the more I feel like it's just improving all the way around and making space for so many people to to be welcomed into it. So thank you all for being a part of that journey for for a bunch of new tiny little Trekkies. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Everyone's welcome in the Federation. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, thank you again so much for joining me. Congratulations on publication. Um, and until next time, listeners, we will be back. Live long and prosper. Bye.